Well, hello, wherever you might be in this big, wide CX world. It's great to have you here, and it's great to have an all-star panel from Inspiro who are joining us today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Peter Ryan, and I am the Principal Analyst at Ryan Strategic Advisory. Now, Ryan Strategic Advisory is a boutique consultancy that focuses on all aspects of the customer experience ecosystem. And one of the things I get really excited about whenever I have the opportunity to speak with executives from different parts of the world is to find out a little bit about where they see the industry going. And we couldn't be doing this at a better time today. Not only, as I mentioned, do we have an all-star cast assembled today from Inspiro to talk a little bit about what they see as some of the key dynamics in CX, we're doing so at a great point in time, at the start of 2022, which I think we can all agree is going to be a harbinger of a year when it comes to the customer management industry. So before we get into our discussion, let me take the opportunity to introduce our all-star panel. I'm going to start with Rissell Matty, who is the Senior Vice President and Regional Head of Operations for Inspiro, covering Japan and the Asian Pacific region. Uh, it's great to see you here, Rissell. It's great to be here, Peter. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking some time. Traveling to the other side of the pond, the Pacific pond that is, we go to Texas, where we have the one and only Mark Belcher, who is joining us from his home in McCallum. Mark is the Chief Solutions Architect for Inspiro. Mark, great to have you here. Thank you, Peter. Always nice to see you, Mark. And uh, hopefully when we run into each other at Call Center Week in Las Vegas next time, we actually will get to have a coffee together. Sounds good. <laughs> Coming to us from the Philippines is Ramel Rahino, who is Inspiro's Global Head of Operations and Sales. Ramel, great to have you here. Thanks for taking some time. I'm very honored to be here, Peter. The honor is all ours. And last but certainly not least, we have Ali Antonio, who is the Senior Vice President for Strategic Alliances and Synergy at Inspiro. Ali, thanks once again for joining us today. Pleasure, Peter. Well, now that introductions are out of the way and we're going to move over to our discussion which I think is going to be a very important one. I just like to frame our chat for the next 20, 25, 30 minutes. The reality is the customer experience has evolved significantly, at least in the time I've been involved in the industry the past uh, decade and a half, nearly two decades. And I can't even believe it when I say that it's been the amount, that amount of time. That's how quickly it's moved. It's a very exciting space. But I think that as we anticipate that we're coming towards the end of what's been a very difficult, challenging couple of years, customer experience itself is never going to be the same. And in many ways, that poses a lot of challenges. But for those of us that like to think with a glass half full attitude, it also presents a lot of opportunities. And talking a little bit about perhaps some of those challenges and opportunities, I'm going to kick off the discussion with Ramel and Mark. And maybe starting with you, Mark, I'd like to get a sense from you. What do you think are going to be the key challenges that CX departments on the enterprise side are going to be facing going into 2022? You know, as a consumer in the U.S., I buy a lot of products. And one of the things that I've noticed uh, since the pandemic happened, uh, you know, it's kind of like getting back to the basics. You know, I've been in this industry for a long time, too. And I remember when you're in the call center, you know, some of the basic things, you, you make sure you answer the customers quickly, you make sure that you handle their issue where they don't have to reach out, you know, two or three, four times. Um, and it seems that there's been a, a bit of a degradation in that in the last 12 months, from my perspective as a consumer. 
Um, you know, products are not as available as they used to be for a variety of reasons. Uh, your need to contact a company uh, is more frequent, I believe, now than it was in the past. And then you start to see where uh, they're, they're missing channels. You know, a lot of the biggest companies out there still have not found their way to a true omni-channel platform. There's no chat. There's no SMS. In some cases, there's no email to reach out to. And if you do call, you might be on hold. Uh, you know, I'll leave the name of the company out, but one of the biggest retailers out there had an eight hour hold time uh, on their phone queue. So you can just tell that these organizations are still trying to get back to the basics of what we would call good customer care. Mark, thank you very much. And Ramel, I'd like to shift the dynamic over to yourself in terms of what you're seeing what your clients are feeding back to you as what some of their potential obstacles they're facing or that they anticipate facing in 2022, whether it be technology, whether it be labor shortages, whether it be this shift towards customer anger that we just keep hearing about. And I think that Mark very eloquently put, as more and more people face shortages of goods, as well as perhaps excessive uh, lead times or lag times, being able to get in touch with somebody. I wanted to, you know, just connect to what Mark had mentioned, Peter, where, you know, the last couple of years, one of the key observations that we saw was biggest technology disruptor was really this pandemic. And from a yeah. consumer standpoint, um, you know, when we talk about age bracket, even those that are in the older generation, they started to pick up certain technologies. It has become generation less uh, type of customer experience because people started to use technology and because of the pandemic as well, there was a lack of so much human interaction that uh, what we saw, at least from last year, was voice volumes have, have significantly gone up by at least 30 on certain programs of ours, 40%. The thing is, the way companies are starting to adapt and, and scrambling for it is that how do you really use this particular technology? And to me, the, the answer really is, it's not so much about how do you get this impacted to the consumer, but rather, how do you help the ones that are on the channels, whether it's on the phones or in the emails or in social media platform, to create that level of efficiency that eventually translates to a great customer experience. Efficiency is very important now. And number two, you know, we've talked about so much about data privacy and the biggest question that people are or our clients now are asking, how do you earn trust from our consumers, right? They cannot be treated as a customer. They need to be treated as partner. So that's the only way we can earn trust from them. When a customer trusts the brand, then they are more open to share their information. You know, I think you're onto something when it comes to customers trusting a brand. And one of the elements about brand trust or developing that trustworthiness is the ability to communicate sharp, concise answers in a timely fashion when an individual has a query that they need solved. And let's be frank, some organizations will be dealing with millions of queries a year and they might say, well, this is a huge amount, but every single query has got to be important and treated as the most important priority of that CX department. But, you know, I think that also raises a question and, and Russell, I'm going to come to you to get, get some thoughts from you on this. When it comes to the challenges that we've heard Ramel and Mark enunciate very eloquently, obviously there's a lot of different 
factors that, that need to be taken into consideration and a lot of investments that need to be made. Now, Ryan Strategic Advisory annually looks at the buyer market, looks at the enterprise CX market. And one of the things that we're anticipating in 2022, based on our most recent survey, is that the majority of enterprises in key demand markets, North America, Western Europe, and Australia, are anticipating that their CX budgets are either going to shrink or stay flat. So what are the What's the dynamic in your opinion? How does this play out if you've got most enterprises that don't have a lot of spending capacity, but they've got a lot of things they need to spend on? What what would you advise in that regard in terms of how they can effectively make the two ends meet? First, I would advise that if their budget is limited, um, I think anything that will help culling CSAT and NPS data should be a priority uh, mm-hmm. because things that you may have known pre-pandemic will obviously not be the same anymore about your consumer two years down the road from when the pandemic started. Anything that will free up the time of your quality folks to really understand what's happening in the chat transcript, what's happening in that call versus them spending so much time manually calling the data and looking at trends. That will help your quality team put together you know, very strategic uh, process improvement initiatives or policy recommendations that can really shape a better experience for your customer base. The second thing that, if you can afford it, the second thing I think that they should be investing in as well would be sentiment analytics. Uh, One of the things that I'm seeing lately in the programs that we manage is that service recovery has become very important. So any tool that enables you to proactively identify which interactions were poor, even though the survey might come in later on and it would still be rated in a poor fashion, anything that the team can do to proactively do service recovery call the customer and turn around the experience, at least it gives you the chance to turn that customer into a long-term customer versus having that customer attract and switch to another brand. Yes. And I always go back to a statistic I heard a few years ago when it comes to customer attrition, which is a real issue, that it costs six times more to win a new customer than it does to retain an existing one. So making sure that the right investments are in place, I do see as a priority. But Ali, if we're looking at it from the perspective of that enterprise CX manager, who's got potentially a limited amount of scope with which to invest, and they're not able to put the priority on all the different line items that they would like to be able to bring in in 2022, what are the risks of not making the right investments in your opinion? You know, I think, Peter, as we navigate through a pandemic and post-pandemic environment, the theme really is on risk mitigation and workforce challenges. Yeah. And, you know, the data shows, and uh, we see it with uh, a lot of our customers, that the number one thing they look for is quality of work. Price is only second. So I think if you had to focus on something, it would be that. And if you break that down, the big ones are agent capabilities and communication. And I think by addressing those opportunities, the likelihood of retaining customers is much higher, right? On a basic level, I think that's retention and training, improving the training experience so it's repeatable and empowering. With an empowered and motivated workforce, you uh, obviously resolve attrition rates as well. And let's be frank, attrition has really been the bugbear in the contact center sector over the course of as long as I've been working in it, and that's a couple of decades, as I mentioned. And I think right now what's going on 
in a lot of different locations with what they're calling the great resignation. That's putting a huge amount of pressure on the contact center space. And a lot of, uh, there's a thought process out there that would say, well, this is just happening in the United States, or it's just happening in the UK, or it's just happening in Australia. No, it is literally happening in key offshore markets, nearshore markets, as well as in the onshore. And that raises, I think, a very important question. And Ali, I'll stick with you on this one. You know, you talked a little about the need for training and the need for driving quality through good training techniques and motivations. What's your vision for agent training as a means of ensuring that level of quality in 2022? I think it's the fundamental focus that a lot of enterprise leaders need to do. You know, a lot of work I think needs to be done on the remote training experience, training technologies, you know, even having a powerful knowledge base that improves uh, speed to proficiency. And, you know, a lot of people talk about technologies DX strategies. But again, if you go back to the data, it's all about the quality of work, right? I think also most more importantly and uh, extremely relevant today on top of training technologies, I think mental health programs need to be focused on as well, right? A lot of people are struggling with, you know, the work they do, the impact of pandemic. And I think this is an area where a lot of enterprises need to focus and put more attention to this very moment. I think that we're all going to be in unanimous agreement on that, that mental health is truly a a major factor in the CX industry, making sure that agents are in as good a state as possible, not just from the standpoint of their own physical health, but their mental health is definitely an accent that I'm very happy that I've seen so many players in the BPO community put on how they're managing their staff, whether they're working in center or remotely. Now, Ramel, I'm going to come back to you because, you know, you talked a little while ago about the role of voice in the contact center. You talked a little bit about how the different channels were playing out. One of the most important ones that has emerged over the course, I'd say the last 10 years, is social media. In fact, our most recent survey of enterprise CX departments shows that after voice, social media is the most deployed CX channel that's being used right now in major markets by enterprises. So that raises an issue that I think has come to the forefront at the end of last year and, and certainly has gained a lot of steam this year in terms of awareness. And it goes back to what Ali was talking about earlier with mental health. And that's the role of trust and safety in the element of social media and content moderation. In your view, what is the right approach to trust and safety and how can CX departments ensure a good working environment that's going to be free of perhaps images or interactions that are going to be excessively offensive to maintain that level of mental health in what's really emerged as perhaps the most important digital channel out there? I agree. You know, social media is one of the growth areas that we saw in the last two years. And many companies have actually shifted a lot of their analytics in understanding this particular channel. And the dynamics, while in a foundational perspective, is very similar to voice, the urgency to respond will be very, very important. I think the the way to really ensure that you develop that particular trust is that the care for handling of these transactions are far more probably delicate because it's posted in a public domain. Everyone can actually read it. 
And the best way really is not to engage in a public manner, but you know anything that is sensitive need to be moved to private domain where you and the customer associate are able to help what's going on. And the difficult part is that when you're writing versus you're talking, converting it to an emotion is always a challenge. And that's why a number of companies now are investing on how do you really put that level of customer experience in social media. And a lot of standards have recently come out in terms of, do you want to do it in a casual manner? Do you want to do it in a formal manner? Do you use these emoticons to convey a certain message? And so far, with this what we call generation-less now type of consumers, it's starting to shape that connection that is probably seen much stronger in the voice channel and starting to be also being more solid in the social media space. Okay, thanks, Ramel. And that takes us into a discussion about another evolving way of working. You know, social media has come on strong, as you said, the last few years. Another business model that has come on very strong is hybrid working. So, Russell, in your view, how do you see the hybrid CX model going forward in 2022? We understand that there is a lot of pressure from many enterprises to get the agents back into the centers. It's completely understandable. At the same time, there's also pressure from the labor side, many of which want to stay working from home at least part of the time. How do you square this circle? I think what our clients now are realizing is that they really have to encourage the customers to move towards email or chat channels or social media channels. Some of our clients have been very mindful as well of the bandwidth reliability when somebody works from home. So what they've opted to do is move the chat and email groups to a work from home setup, but keeping the minority now, which is the smaller team of voice agents to handle the more complex work or inbound calls and customer callbacks. Other clients have reviewed their transactions to see which are low risk and which they feel comfortable about bringing to a work from home setup while leaving the more complicated and customer data sensitive ones, leaving those back at the site. And I think our our current clients, especially the ones in the financial sector, are really thinking about how do we make our systems, our current systems, security breach proof so that we're more comfortable about asking our vendors to deploy their agents to a work from home setup. I mean, obviously, the numerous lockdowns did not help either. And some of our clients realized, oh, my goodness, you know, our customer information is not even masked. The credit card information is not even masked. So obviously, we they had to make do with whatever staffing we could provide on site. So I think those are the things that our clients are realizing right now. Yeah, it's definitely not, I think, an obvious answer, whether it was hybrid working when it started in 2020 in March, Mm. and it's certainly not as we, here we are at the outset of 2022. But Ramel, that raises another question in that the different vertical or different industry needs when it comes to hybrid working or the expectations are are going to shift significantly. What do you see as some of the key industry-based approaches towards hybrid working? Which ones do you think will be more prone to using hybrid over the long term? And which ones do you think might be a little bit more reticent? So to Richelle's point earlier, Peter, I think the ones that are high risks and then usually these are Uh, the ones that are on the financial services realm would really have a big challenge on uh, moving people on a work at home, given all the risks that's associated and the regulations in terms of ensuring that client information are not compromised. I think that will remain to be a big part of this particular challenge. However, though, a customer care side perspective 
where these financial institutions are starting to adopt digital banking and where you're only able to provide certain level of assistance without really opening or, or viewing the certain system, there could be that opportunity that the work at home may work for these kind of institutions. The ones that I feel would be very, very bullish would be on the retail space, simply because there's a factor of seasonality into them. And now in Southeast Asia, there's this big thing about, you know, 12, 12, 11, 11, 10, 10. So it's every month you have these discount sales offerings. So a lot of the e-commerce and uh, retail markets will be really taking advantage of this hybrid model. Um, simply because they need more people. And when you start talking about work at home, it becomes very borderless. The risk also of the transaction uh, being handled is not as, as sensitive as, as a financial institution. Even travel for that matter would probably be open for a work at home. Some of the logistics channels as well will be taking advantage of this work at home. But anything that I feel would be high on regulations and client information, I would be very challenged to really take advantage of this hybrid model. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for that, Ramel. Some really good insight there. And Mark, I'm going to shift the discussion back to you for our final point of uh, interrogation today. And that relates to the element about the offshore and nearshore delivery dynamic. And I know it's a topic that a lot of people don't see as terribly fashionable. I know it's a topic that many people say is passe, but the reality is the offshore and the nearshore aren't going away anytime soon. It's a fundamental piece of the CX jigsaw puzzle when we're looking at different delivery models. You know, Mark, one of the things I'd be very curious from your own perspective would be what do you see as the role of offshoring and nearshoring in 2022? And what should clients be looking for in a good location that might be within a couple of hours flight or maybe even a longer flight, uh, perhaps uh, a destination 12, 13 hours away? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I first met in Spiro as a client and I was working for a television company. And I remember going to the Philippines at a time when the industry was very young. And you could tell that Inspiro and several others were trying to figure it out. And then you started to see it emerged out of the Philippines and other places. And then you started to see the emergence of nearshore and the convenience of being able to get to those centers. You know, we're fortunate to meet a lot of brands and try to talk to them about their comfort level in terms of getting out of the mindset of the domestic onshore solution. And I think the pandemic, from my observation, has really pushed and nudged a lot of those who were kind of on the fence or not real sure if they felt comfortable going to an offshore or nearshore, and now they're actually starting to embrace it. You know, product shortages are increasing volumes. Perhaps they didn't implement all the digital channels they wanted, so they're not as efficient in managing service level. What are you going to do? You know, you still have to manage the customer experience. So then we start seeing the emergence of pilots and then they want to try to test some of these facilities. And then you just start to see their buy-in starts to form when they start to find that, you know, we've got the maturity. But the other thing that I've noticed is when I look in offshore and nearshore, there are a lot of players now. And a lot of these players were not there in the late 90s and the early 2000s. The one thing that fascinates me, and this will even occur in some of the really large RFPs that we'll participate in, you know, some of the basics of things that we used to do when I was a client, 
you know, if, if you're going to hire an outsourcer, you're going to do, you know, you're going to call references. You're going to try to understand, you know, how, what is this partner like? What's this country like doing business in, you know, is the government supportive or all the other industries supportive? You know, a lot of times when you're undergoing the sales process, you hear all the things you want to hear. But when you really can talk to a client that's actually being served in that particular uh, facility, uh, it, it means a lot. You know, my own statistic, I think 90% of the references that are offered in an RFP are never contacted. So how do you know if you're really moving into the right environment? <laughs> if you're not wanting to take that extra step to contact that reference and really dig in and understand so to me, the whole theme of my interaction today, if anyone were to listen and want to get anything out of it, I think we got to get back to the basics. You know, when I was a client and I was looking at nearshore and offshore, I wanted to talk to clients. I wanted to understand, you know, what the experience is like. You know, back then you might have wanted them to have some sort of domain experience, but nowadays that's not as important. A lot of times if they're doing well in other industries, that can carry over into a new industry. But it's the culture, it's the culture of the country, it's the culture of the site, it's the culture of the company. Your client references that are already being served there will tell you all those things. I think that nearshore and offshore are going to continue to grow as we try to manage service level through the pandemic. And if anyone were wanting to know what my best practice it would be, it would be talk to those client references. That, that would be what I would recommend. Well, that's great advice, Mark. And I've always been a big believer in no matter what aspect of business that you're in, you always have to make sure you don't forget the fundamentals. So back to the basics really resonates with me. You know, it's been a fantastic discussion that we've had with this all-star group from Inspiro. And I thank each and every one of you from the standpoint of finding out what's going on within your organization, your own points of view, and where you see 2022 going. So Vassell, Ali, Mark, Ramel, it's been absolutely wonderful seeing you all, and I look forward to the opportunity of seeing you all in person very soon.